Let me read uh, from uh, Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put new sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Our New Testament reading is from uh, the first chapter of First uh, Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, we, we ask you to constrain the evil one uh, from this earth. We, we anxiously await uh, your coming when uh, his vanquishing will, will finally be over and done with, and that these kinds of, of shooting events would, will end forever. We pray for the families of uh, those wounded and, and slain. We pray for those that are in the hospital, that they might be comforted by you. Uh, we pray for our own church family, that uh, those that are sick and suffering might be comforted, that you would heal them. We pray particularly for 
Ken and for Nancy as they uh, continue to deal with uh, physical problems. We ask for your healing hand upon them. Uh, we pray this morning that as a congregation we would listen and hear your word, that we would be enriched by uh, Jerry today as he preaches to us and uh, teaches us from your word. Uh, we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. We're in John uh, chapter 3. John chapter 3. And you'll find an outline on page 4. Last week we looked at the person of Nicodemus. And we saw that he represents the well-taught religious person who is uh, earnest and genuine in their seeking of God. And they try all the things that they're told to do, and yet they feel that there's still a shortcoming and emptiness in their heart. And so he comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher, prophet, because no one can do what you do unless God is with him. And yet Jesus says, you can't understand what I'm saying to you. And he makes this bold declaration to him, you must be born again. Let's look at this uh, in the text. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know your teacher has come from God, for no one can conform the miracles that you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. It says, verily, verily, amen, amen, is what it says in Greek. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You're here at sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus asked, how can this be? And Jesus said, you are the teacher of Israel. When you walk down the street, they say, there's Nicodemus. He spent his whole life studying God's word so that we can understand how to love God and live our lives in an honoring way. But you don't understand these things. I'll tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen, but you still, you people, do not accept our testimony. I've spoken of earthly things. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. In other words, I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just a teacher or a preacher. I didn't read this or study this. I have seen it because I come down from heaven. Now, it doesn't say it, but it seems like that would have shocked Nicodemus. My goodness. 
Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but, not ha- but have eternal life. Let's pray about this. Father, thank you for letting us in on this conversation between the teacher of Israel and the Messiah of Israel, one who is from earth and fleshly but seeking God, and he who has come down from God to tell us what God is like, what he demands of us, and how we can know him. Father, would you open this text to us this morning? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. It begins with a declaration. It says, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, amen, amen. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you were born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? We pray Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is where the will of God is done, where there are no massacres at Walmart, where people seek God and they honor him and they recognize him and they glorify him. That's the kingdom of God and that must be the scariest thing to unregenerate fallen man in all the world that there is a God that created him and deserves, yea, demands his obeisance, his recognition, and his praise. And he says, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot see that kingdom. Nicodemus had spent his whole life seeking that kingdom, doing everything that he knew and was taught to do. And yet he says to Jesus, here I am. I don't have the answer. And then Jesus gives him the answer and he says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can't figure it out. You know, it would seem to be a hard thing to surprise the Son of God. Considering he is fully God and fully man, two natures in one person, and has omniscience and knows all things. In fact, it says in the end of chapter 2, Jesus knew all men. He knew what was in their heart. And yet here is Jesus just surprised. I thought of during a sermon series on things that surprise God. You know, there are several times in Scripture where this happens. And here's one of them. And even Jesus says, I can't believe you don't understand this. Because Nicodemus is the, the religious person. And then we get, you know, the woman at the well, and she's the misinformed person. She'd been taught a false religion. And then we have the official son, and he had no religion. He was Roman. He'd never been in a synagogue. He didn't know anything about this. So here's the one represented by one who should know. And it's interesting that Jesus puts everybody on the same level. The same message that he gave the Roman official and he gave the woman at the well, the ignorant person and the confused person, he gave to the religious person. The answer is the same for everybody because everybody's need is the same. 
everybody is declared that you must be born again and born of water and the Spirit because if you're not, then you can't see the kingdom of God. No kingdom, no heaven, eternal life. No heaven, only hell. It's that stark because God is the source of all light. And so being apart from him in what is called hell means darkness. In God's presence, there is faith. Away from him, there is unbelief. In his presence, there is hope. Away from him, there is despair. In his presence is love. Away from him is hatred, eternal hatred, hatred of God for banishing him from heaven because he would not bow the knee, hatred of Satan who runs hell and makes it so miserable and gloats at the suffering, anger at other people, anger at one's own self for not recognizing, for not responding an eternity. You must be born again. If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the declaration. We have to be born again. There has to be a washing by the water, a cleansing of our sins and transgressions and filth. And then we have to be given a new heart, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone through the work of the Holy Spirit a radical transformation, you see. That's the declaration. Uh, uh, Whitfield was a great evangelist of the 18th century, Whitfield and Wesley. And the great evangelist Whitfield preached all over England. Then he came to America on several trips. He preached all over America and he laid the found, one of the foundation stones of the American Revolution. He preached in Boston and Philadelphia and Charleston and Savannah, all these big, uh, New York, all the big uh, population centers. In fact, the largest gathering on the green of Boston in its history was when George Whitfield preached the gospel. In fact, he died preaching the gospel in America, and he's buried in America. And they would preach two times a day, seven days a week, preaching. People would gather on hillsides and barns, and Wesley was preaching. He preached over 300 times. He preached thousands of sermons. But by record, he preached over 300 times that you must be born again. And someone who heard him more than once said, Whitfield, why do you keep preaching on that thing? You must be born again. And he says, because you must be born again. <laughs> That's why I keep preaching it. You must be born again of water and the spirit or you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the message of the church. Well, that's the declaration. Let's go to the explanation. Why must we be born again? The problem is we can't be born again. I put it on the sign out there, or, or uh, who put it on the sign this week? 
You did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and it said, you must be born again, but can't. What? Well, look at it. Here is the most religious person, the teacher of Israel, and Jesus coming down from God in his presence and explains to him, you must be born again. And what does Nicodemus say? Say what? He can't understand it. In fact, Jesus is surprised. He said, you're the teacher of Israel. You don't understand this? So what hope is there for us to understanding this if Nicodemus can't? Well, what is the problem? In fact, Jesus in John chapter 8, that remarkable chapter, when Jesus is having dialogue, it's a long chapter with the leaders of uh, Nazareth where he grew up and he went to synagogue every Sabbath for 30 years. And he says to them, God has sent me. If you can convict me of sin, speak out. I've lived in this little village for 30 years. And the dialogue got so bad that they grew angry and they pushed him to the brow of the hill and they're going to throw him down and kill him. That was their response. And he says to them in John 8, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Well, what is the problem? The problem is right here in John 3 because he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. What is a flesh, fallen, sinful flesh, begets fallen, sinful flesh? And that leads to darkness of the mind, hardness of the heart, and the will in chains and unable to respond to God, unable to understand God, unable to love God. That's flesh. It didn't matter how many times Nicodemus crawled back into his mother's womb and was born again. He would still be flesh of flesh, sin of sin. That is the problem. He said, if you're going to be in this kingdom this new kingdom of God, you have to be a new man. Is that right? A radical transformation from the inside out of heart, mind, soul, will. And that can only come from God. And that's why when people come to your door and want to share their religion with you and you share this with them and they say what? Say what? They can't understand it. In fact, if you go down here, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, the person without the Spirit of God does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Holy Spirit. This is on page 4. I've given you these texts from 1 Corinthians 2. Cannot Cannot, not just will not, cannot. Why? Because they consider them foolish. Someone says to me, we'd love to have you come visit church. I say to them, and they say, well, I'm, I'm not interested. I say, that makes perfect sense. There's nothing about God you find interesting. 
There's nothing about God's character that you find attractive. There's nothing about God's commands that you feel motivated to obey because you cannot understand God. So it makes perfect sense that you don't want to come to church or Sunday school or Bible study. So I'm not going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. Go do whatever you want to do. But wait a minute. I would like to learn something about God. Well, come and welcome. Come and welcome. But this is not the Middle Ages where you're forced to come. This is when you're drawn to come. We'll come to that. It says in Romans 8, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, the old nature. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Do you know what the natural human response to God is? A clenched fist. Hostility. Away with his word, away with his commandments, and away with his people. Is that not being manifested around the world and China and Russia and Arab nations? Is it not being demonstrated in Western Europe? Is it not being developed here in our own country? That is the natural response of man to God. I will not, cannot understand and accept you or your commandments. And how does it exhibit itself? Does not submit to God's law. That's the outward manifestation of the inward hostility and rebellion. And that's why I say you must be born again but cannot. Is that not true? Dead and trespasses in sin. What can a dead person do? What can a baby do to be born? I think I'll be born. Nope. You got a few months to go. And that's why it says here in John chapter 1, as he introduces it, he says, All to all, yeah, he came to his own but his own did not receive him, John 1, 11 and 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Must be born of God because you can't be born of yourself. Okay, now that's the declaration. That's the explanation of why we can't be born again. Well, how can we be born again? How can we? Uh, To be born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of human's will, but born of God. We read this scripture earlier in the call to worship on page two. You were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live. All of us lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. 
or as my Scottish friends would say, wrath. But because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. That's the key. The new birth is something that God, by a direct intervention, gives to man. You see, this is displayed, first of all, in Ezekiel 36 and 37. I give you that for reading this afternoon. Now, this was given to Israel, but Paul said those are Jews who are not by natural descent of Abraham, Jews, but those who have the faith of Abraham. He makes that distinction. He says you become a Jew not by natural birth, but by having the faith of Abraham. And that is the church. In the Old Testament, there was a people in Israel that believed God, and the rest didn't. In Jesus' time, there were those who believed God, and the rest didn't. And in our time, there's who's who believe God and the rest don't. The way that Abraham believed God, even to the point he was willing to sacrifice his son and say, God will provide the sacrifice. So this is written to those of faith. And he says in verse 24, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries. I will sprinkle clean water on you, water and the spirit. Sprinkling, this is why Nicodemus, you should know this because it's right there in the scriptures that you study. Because he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. What does that mean? I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Born of the water, the word that cleans our hearts, that takes it away. And then it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to keep my laws. God says, I will do this. I will cleanse you by sprinkling of the word, the water of sprinkling of repentance and washing away your sin. And then I will give you a new heart, fill you with the spirit, and then you can keep my laws. And then in order to illustrate that, there's Ezekiel chapter 37. And he says to the prophet, what do you see? And he sees a valley full of bones, bones that are very dry. And God says, son of man, can these bones live? And here is a prophet who knew his scripture and he knew the characteristics of God. And he said, oh, sovereign Lord, only you know. I'm not going to say yes or no, because you know. And then God said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons and make flesh and skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know then I am the sovereign and only God. I prophesied as I commanded. That's the way I feel sometimes when I'm sharing. When I was with crew and we were on the campus and we would speak in fraternities and Sandy and sororities. 
And one time I spoke, and I noticed everybody was uh, laughing. And I looked to an open window to my left, and there was a frat member mooning the crowd. He had dropped his pants and stuck his butt in the window. <laughs> Cannot submit itself to the law of God. And so I went right ahead, sharing. And then another one came up and put a coin into the jukebox. And then the music started. And then the president of the fraternity came up and unplugged the jukebox. And I kept right on. As far as I'm concerned, I'm prophesying to dead, dry bones. Not only no interest, but hostility. I'll need to tell you the rest of the story sometime. About the one that turned in a three-by-five card and said, I've interested and I went to his dorm and shared the gospel, and he responded. And we spent all train, uh, winter being trained in the Bible and all spring in Duke Gardens learning how to share the gospel. There's more to the story. I'm going to say that. Prophesy to dry bones. I might be preaching to dry bones here this morning. But why do I do it? Why do you do it? Why do you share with friends and neighbors and coworkers and family that have no interest? Because God says, speak to these dry bones because only God knows what can happen. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling noise, and the bones came together, bone to bone. You know that song, them bones and bones and dry bones? I kept trying to get us to sing it this morning. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared in skin, but there was no breath. Prophesy to the breath and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe in these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Prophesy to them, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. And that's what he did with Lazarus. Dead, three days, he stinketh. Roll back the stone. And he said, Lazarus, arise. And Lazarus said, let me think about it. Sing a hymn so that I can respond. Preach it so that I can hear. The dead man said, yes, sir, and got up on his feet and walked out. Who raised him? Jesus did. What did he contribute? He was dead, and we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And so being born again, we see it in Ezekiel 37. We see it with Lazarus. We see it in Scripture. The only way the dead can rise is if the personal command of Jesus, a work of the Holy Spirit working in that person. And responding to the gospel is not a result of our responding. It is a result of being born again. Responding to the gospel that we do is a fruit, not a cause 
of the new birth. You see that? Because a dead person can't respond. But when God gives that new life, then that person can respond. God calls his people, but he can't respond. We must respond. How do we respond when we're dead? Because he gives us new life. He gives us new life. And he says this down here, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He says here in John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit of God. First of all, look at that. The work of the Holy Spirit, like the wind, and like that wind in Ezekiel 37, is sovereign. It blows wherever it pleases. No amount of preaching can I bring life to bride bones. No amount of witnessing. God is sovereign. The Holy Spirit blows where it will and gives life where it chooses. But it's not only sovereign, it's effective. We hear the sound. We hear the sound. We begin to have interest in the things of God. We begin to have sorrow and grief and conviction for our sins. We begin to say, is there a way that I can know God? That is the wind effectively blowing in a person's life. And that's when the person says, let me go and see if I can find water to quench my thirst, food to feed my hungry heart, light for my mind so I can understand how can I know God. And sometimes we sow that seed, sometimes we water it, and sometimes we come to ground that is ready and it springs up and the person says, Yes, this is what I want. Someone must sow. Someone must preach to dead bones. Someone must water. And then some get to harvest. It is effective. It changes a person's life. You begin to see, what are you doing in church? You're the last person I thought to see here this morning. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. I never thought I would come to this. And then you share the gospel with them. And there's so many times they say, oh, forget that. And all of a sudden they say, you know, I've been thinking about that. You can hear the sound of the wind. The Holy Spirit is not only sovereign, he's effective. But look at this. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. The Holy It's just mysterious, people. It's just mysterious. You just, you just, you just it, it go, you, you can't tell. You can never tell if that person is going to respond or not. And that's why our job is to pronounce, preach, present, share, and then let the Holy Spirit do his work. It's a mystery. I'm not going to try to explain it all this morning. I'm not going to try to explain birth to you, how a sperm and an ovum can come together and produce a baby. I'm not going to try to explain that to you. I can explain the mechanics, but I can't explain the effect. I just, I just don't have to do it. But I do know this is what the hymn writer said. 
I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. I know not how the spirit moves, convicting men of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how when I was on the farm I could go out and plant a seed and I could get tobacco or corn or soybeans or maters. I don't know how that works. But I know it works. I know the Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Holy Spirit is effective. The Holy Spirit is mysterious. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give your heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You must be born again, but you can't ask God to move through the Holy Spirit and enlighten your mind, soften your heart, unshackle your will, and when you share the gospel with a friend, be silently asking God to do that with every word that you share because you can't give a new birth and they can't be born again. Only God can do it. But he will and he has. Amen. Let's pray. Father, there's no way that we can understand the work of the Spirit. But we know that he works sovereignly, he works effectively because our lives demonstrate that. Father, would you give us the grace to give you the glory for what you've done with no boasting and then give us the boldness to share this life-saving message even if a person doesn't understand or is hostile because you work miracles in their heart. That's our desire, Father. As that bronze snake was lifted up by Moses and everyone who looked at it was healed, will you give people, our friends and our neighbors in South County residents, the grace to look to Jesus and be saved and be born again because they must, we must, or we will never see the kingdom of God. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen.